This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us and for following Working Like Dogs on Instagram and Facebook. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my adorable service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Emmy award-winning filmmaker, journalist, and storyteller, Don Hardy. And he's going to talk with us about his new film, Pick of the Litter. And as you can imagine, the film follows a litter of puppies from the moment they're born and begin their quest to become guide dogs for people who are blind. So I can't wait to hear about it. So come right back after these really quick messages as we welcome Don Hardy to the show. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Don, and welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you could be with us and tell us all the exciting news about your wonderful film, Pick of the Litter. You guys are getting a lot of great buzz around it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a very interesting uh, six months or so. We premiered the film in January at a film festival, uh, and then we've been doing film festivals with it since then. Uh, We've been fortunate to win a few awards, and now we're getting ready for it to go into theaters at the end of the month. Wow, that's so exciting. Wow. Well, so tell us, how did you decide to do this film? Well, my filmmaking partner, Dana Nachman, and I, we used to be journalists in the San Francisco Bay Area, and we did a few stories on an organization called Guide Dogs for the Blind. And we really loved the work that they do, and we did these short two- to three-minute stories about them, but always thought maybe there, there was a longer story there to be told. And when we left NBC News and went out on our own to, to be documentary filmmakers, we kind of forgot about it or pushed it in the background. And we did several films about other topics, ranging from wrongful conviction through chemicals and their effects on human health and, and all kinds of different issues. But then we came back to this one. And in the, in the time between when we were doing those stories and you know, when we came back to it, Dana's mom was a reporter for a newspaper in New York. And she had did a series about this very thing, about following a litter of puppies. And so we, we put our original idea together with Dana's mom's idea and said, yeah, let's, let's try to do that film. 
and let those puppies, that one litter, be the central focus of the film. Oh, I love that. And we love Guide Dogs for the Blind, too. They are awesome. We love them and their puppy raisers, who are so wonderful. Well, so how did you pick that litter? Was it just a litter that happened to be at the right time, or how did you guys do that? Well, yeah, once we, you know, decided uh, let's work on this, and Guide Dogs for the Blind, they were so gracious to allow us into their world to be able to tell the story, because so much of making documentaries really comes down to access and, and you know, for an organization like that to, to trust us and l- allow us in was huge. And so we talked with them about perhaps a litter could be born in, in August. You know, we'll leave it to you guys to decide what the best one would be. But, you know, August would work great for us because we, we had another film coming out and this is 2015. So we have another film coming out, and, you know, it would be really tough to do it earlier than that. And they said, sure, we'll find the right litter for you. And then cut to June 1st, I believe, and they call and say, hey, we've got the perfect litter, and they're going to be born in two days. We said, but but we wanted a litter in August. Um, (laughs) They they really believe strongly that this would be a good litter to follow because the mother, a dog named Ohai, had a, a great track record with him having successful guide dogs come from her. And so we said, okay, we'll give it a shot. And we got up there and we started filming on June, I believe June 2nd, our dogs were born. And uh, then we were off and running with our, with our litter. And they give each litter a letter. And we had litter P. So it starts with the P and then they get named about a month later. And uh, yeah, we were off. Wow. So were you guys, so you were there when they were actually born? Yeah, yeah, we were there, you know, and, it's, and that scene is in the film. It's a very special moment to have been able to capture as our puppies coming in, into the world. Wow. What was that like for you guys seeing that? I mean, that must have been pretty emotional, and yet you're trying to do your job. So was that hard? No, I, I don't think it was especially <laughs> hard. It just, so much of making these films feels like an incredible privilege. You get to see things that you normally wouldn't see. And certainly, you know, this birth was was very special for that reason. And probably we didn't know it at the time, just how attached we would become to these puppies over the two years that we spent with them. Yeah, we would see them quite often, you know, especially the ones that make it all the way back for the proper guide dog training. And we were on a very long journey with them. And uh, oftentimes throughout filming, we would have to go check in and say hello before we could really proceed with our day because they knew us and they would react to us. (laughs) That's right. You have to do those greetings. Absolutely. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, what you guys have captured is really, it's like magic because that's how I look at these dogs is they're just so incredible that, I mean, to get to have that insight into how they become who they are is just, it's nothing but magic, pure magic. Those character traits we saw right from that first day. There's there's one puppy that yawns, just yawns a lot. It's part of <laughs> who he is. And you can see that when, when we'd start going through the footage, we would see those little movements and character traits right there from the beginning. And and we follow them through in the film. I, I don't know if anybody else sees them, but I do. And it always brings a smile to my face. That's so dear. Well, and so after they were born, what was the process then? Did you have cameras placed? Was it like guide dog reality tv how how was it to capture all of that 
Yeah, we didn't quite go that far, but maybe we should have. We had, uh, you know, the first month or so of their their lives is spent, uh, almost two months of their lives is spent at Guide Dogs headquarters. So we would we were there for the first day, then Seminole days on their journey. You know, when they first get to go outside for the first time, when they're they get weighed, when they get named, all of those things we we documented. And then the moment where they go out to their puppy raisers, and the puppy raisers are the volunteers who take these dogs into their homes for the first about 12 to 14 months of their lives before they get returned to Guide Dogs Campus for their formal training. And so once the puppies go out to those puppy raisers, we would go pretty, you know, once a month maybe, sometimes more when there were important evaluations or if something was going really right with the dog or really wrong with the dog, we would spend more time there and uh, just try to budget our time in a somewhat smart fashion as filmmakers, you know, where you don't want to be overshooting all the time, but you want to be sure you're there to capture everything you can. We also gave out GoPro cameras to our puppy raisers, and it worked a little bit, but the cameras had their own issues, And but we got some footage from puppy raisers in that way. We, we also, some people were taking footage on their phones for us, but we ended up with a lot lot, lot of footage. I bet we you were did. Able to pick and yeah. <laughs> well, and so how many pea puppies were there? In our litter, there are five puppies. There's okay. Poppet, Primrose are the two girls, and then Potomac, Patriot, and Phil are the three boys. <laughs> and Phil. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love those. It is amazing how they track these dogs and they do track them um, and really look at that, like you said earlier, for the success of the breeding program of, of who the moms and dads are and how successful these little guys and girls are. Well, so the puppy raisers, so you were working with five different puppy raising individuals or families? Yeah, there were, well, actually six, because one dog, Poppet, was a co-raised situation. So there, she had two sets of razors with her, and they could kind of trade it off. So there were six puppy raiser families, and they were, one was in Los Angeles, one was in outside of Seattle, Washington, in a town called Snohomish, one is outside of Portland, Oregon, and then two were in the Bay Area where, where we are. So we just tried to check in with them as much as we could and document their progression. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you shared where the puppy raisers were actually living because I was wondering if they were all going to be in the Bay Area or if they were they were all over the West Coast, which, gosh, you guys had to travel to actually be tracking those little ones' lives. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to us that they were spread out so much. I think, you know, initially there's so much you learn along the way. But we thought they'd all be in the Bay Area, and then when we realized they weren't going to be, we were like, okay, so how do we how do we cover all of those? So it meant a lot of flights for, you know, Dana, again, my filmmaking partner, she would take a lot of the local ones, and then we had a, a couple of friends down in L.A. that could shoot for us. And then I made a lot of trips up to the Pacific Northwest, and I would fly into Seattle and shoot with our dog Primrose, who was there, and then motor down to Portland and shoot with Potomac, who was there, and then hop a flight back. <laughs> so what a fun gig yeah <laughs> yeah not bad i definitely racked up some frequent flyer miles on this one wow well and so when you were out there filming and i know you don't want to give away too much of the film but i'm guessing that you saw some struggles that puppy raisers were having if some of the puppies were doing well or maybe if they weren't 
Yeah, we saw the good and the bad. And, you know, the puppy raiser volunteers, they work so hard. It is a tireless job. And I don't say that in a way to discourage anybody from trying (laughs) to do it because the volunteers really do make the organization go. But it is 24-7. You know, we have a lot of footage of puppy raisers standing out in the cold, in the rain, waiting for their young puppy to relieve and do their business outside, things like that. And then just they can't be left alone like, uh, like a regular pet dog. They're with you all of the time. So it is a big responsibility, and uh, and certainly they get so invested in these dogs and in making them the best they can be that then they have to give them back and send them back for training. And that, those are very tough moments. Even for folks that have been doing this for a long time, it's hard to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I know. I have talked to so many puppy raisers over the years, and I've asked them, you know, how can you do that? You know, what is it? And what so many of them have shared with me is that they just stay focused on how they know how that puppy is going to impact someone's life, and they stay focused that they're going to get another puppy. So so they won't be lonely too long. So I don't know if that's what you guys experience, but I could not agree with you more. The responsibility, the level of commitment. I mean, talk about unsung heroes. It's true. And yeah, that is what we've heard as well, that it's the two lights that the the bright spots, I guess, are that, yes, you can get another puppy, and sometimes people need to wait a bit before they do that, after they return one for training, and also knowing that if they do their job right, these dogs can go out and do an amazing service to their visually impaired partners. And and going through that graduation process is generally enough to make you say, okay, I did right. my job, I did it well, and and I get it. I get yep. the mission here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that keeps you coming back for more. Yes, yes, it does. It's intoxicating when you really see the impact. Yeah. Well, we are going to take just a couple of seconds and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we're going to come back and continue visiting with Don Hardy because we have a lot more questions to ask about what happened in the film after these little puppies were returned back for their advanced training. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, this is Michelle Byrne, host of Best Bets for Pets on Pet Life Radio. I just wanted to tell you about my new discovery for Mr. Z, the Super Chewer Bark Box. It contains Super Chewer products that are perfect for Super Chewers like Mr. Zussi. The assortment comes with two tough toys, two meaty chews, and two full bags of treats. And the treats are always all natural, made in the USA or Canada, no wheat, soy, or corn, and it's an unbelievable value. Now, I'm going to save you some money. I have a special for you. When you place a 6-month or 12-month subscription, use the code PETLIFERADIO. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off your first month of Super Chewer on a 6 or 12 month plan. Just visit superchewer.com slash petliferadio. Put the code petliferadio at checkout and you'll save 50% off your first month. Makes pet mommy happy, makes my super chewer happy that he's going to get some great toys every month and it makes my pocketbook happy because I saved some money. How great is that? Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we have the pleasure of visiting today with Don Hardy, the filmmaker of Pick of the Litter. And before the break, we were talking about the puppy raisers, these unsung heroes that impact these little ones' lives in such profound ways. And so then I have to ask you, Don, how was it when they were returned for their advanced training? How did you guys interact and what was your focus um, when they came back for that stage of the process? Yeah, once they got back there, you know, things really got real. (laughs) And (laughs) I think we maybe underestimated how intense the training was going to be, not only for the dogs, but for us to try to capture it. And something we always, the way we try to approach any film is we try to stay out of the way. I never will ask somebody to do something again or to, you know, take two, nothing like that. I really, we strive to capture it as natural as it can be while understanding like, hey, we have a camera pointed at you. But other than that, we try to really stay out of the way. And when these dogs get back for that formal training, they train them really fast. They are moving down the street. So it was immediately a big challenge to figure out how to capture that appropriately without having, you know, we don't have a team of 12 people out there with cameras. It generally is just me or, or my partner, Dana, and maybe we'll have another person if, if it makes sense to. So we had to devise a camera system that would allow us to be very quick on our feet and, and capture things as they happen. And that was a, you know, after one failed outing, we came back and I furiously went to Amazon in search for a new camera and a new system. And then I I spent the weekend chasing my dog around the backyard trying to figure out how to work it properly so that we could do our jobs well. And that was a big challenge right off the bat. Yeah, so you guys were having to be really flexible and figure things out in the field, just like I'm sure it is working with the dogs. Wow. Well, that's so cool that that you could adapt that quickly. That was really great. Yeah, thank you. It was was a challenge, but, you know, one other thing we really strive to do with this film is we wanted to, to have the camera angle largely from the dog's point of view. We didn't want to shoot the whole movie from the perspective of a person looking down at a dog. We wanted it to be right there at the dog's level. And that was, this camera system allowed us to do that. And it didn't really bug the dogs. It was small enough that it, you know, they recognized it was there, but then they just realized that we were another distraction in the world that they have to understand how to move around. Well, that's just going to say, I bet that was perfect for their training because like you said, they need to be aware of those distractions and ignore them, which is amazing and phenomenal that they can do that. Yeah, it really is. And it it was certainly a concern of ours when we first embarked on this is we don't want to be a problem because the most important thing is that the dogs succeed. But the trainers at Guide Dogs said, no, this is, this is just part of it. Yeah, they yeah. don't know what they're going to come up with at any given time. So you guys are, are part of that. And yeah. uh, there might have been one one dog in particular that really had a fondness for me. And there were a couple of times where I really had to go say, hey, it's okay, pal, I'm here, you know, <laughs> do that. <laughs> and he could get down to business a bit better. But by and large, they just accepted that, you know, there's some weird, weird guy with a weird contraption in front of them and they could navigate around me. And uh, we were just part of the pack. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that about dogs. Well, and so how long did you guys interact with them during their advanced training? We were there virtually every day for the 10 weeks of formal guide training. I mean, we might have missed one here or there, 
but we pretty much just accepted that we didn't know what days were going to be the day where a dog made a particularly great step forward or a step backward. So we had to be there to capture all of it. Mm-hmm. And and then just took the, the approach of, we will figure this out when we get to editing. And so, yeah, we were there. We ended up doing 120 days of shooting on this film, which is a lot. Um, yeah. A typical film for us is maybe 30 30 days is a good production schedule for one of these. But this one, 120 days spread out over three years with the bulk of it coming in the last 10 weeks of training. It was a lot. I didn't make it easy on our editor. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wow. And I'm sure with that much time with these guys, I'm sure that you really were bonded with them and felt like you knew them all so well. Yeah. And that can be a danger, too, once you do get into the editing processes. We know the dogs so well. We can pick out these little moments where, like, oh, well, see, you know, Poppet's looking in over here. That means she's distracted or something like that, where to the casual viewer, they're not going to pick up on that. So we had to bring in some people to keep us in check. Yeah, I know what you say you're seeing, man, but I just don't see it. We yeah. needed to have that, and we were fortunate to have some very good advisors that kept us on the right track. Oh, that's great, because I'm sure it was hard to remain objective when you knew the dogs so well and knew their personalities and their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I bet that was was challenging. (laughs) Just what translates, one guy that we worked with, his name is Doug Blush, and he's our supervising editor, and he's worked on a a million documentaries, and we sent the first cut to him, and uh, at that point, just the training part was about an hour long. And the final training and, you know, now the whole movie is around, I think, 80, 82 minutes or something. So we sent it to him and he's like, you know, it's interesting, but, you know, man, at some point it's just dogs walking. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was shocked and offended, of course. Yes, yes. Awesome dogs walking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just dogs walking. So tighten it up, bring it to the highlights and lowlights and move it along. Yeah. Yeah. There was a big That's lesson right. in there that yeah. you know, less is more. And, and now as we see people reacting so positively to the film, we know it, it was the right decision. Like certainly there's some people that would watch five hours of this. Right. right. For, for an average audience, you know, keep it tight, tell a good yeah. story and, and keep it moving. Yeah. 82 minutes sounds really good. Yeah. Well, and so after you did the training piece, so did you guys participate in the placement process? Well, sort of. You know, we don't want to get, again, don't want to direct guide dogs for the blind too much. The only things that we asked for, when it seemed like we knew what dogs had a good chance of making it all the way, and and at this point, guide dogs for the blind, they have a big master list of all of the people, visually impaired people, that are waiting for a dog, and they start looking at what criteria that person might have. Maybe they only want a female dog, or maybe they only want a tan dog, or they need a dog that works at a very fast pace or a dog that's very good at at traveling by plane. I mean, it could be very specific. Mm -hmm. They start charting out what the needs are and looking at what dogs from our litter are going to make it, and they start looking for that match. So the only things that we ask for is is that it would be nice if we could have one person who is maybe getting a dog for the first time. You know, we started asking small things like that, but then they really did the casting for us. They went out, reached out to the folks that they saw that could be a good match, ask them if they would be open to being part of our documentary and understanding what that really means is that you're going to have to invite us into your home. Yes. And, uh, be part of, 
part of this all the way. So they did a great job of finding those great characters. And uh, and now we're so fortunate that the folks, they're coming out to screenings. They're be taking part in Q&As oh. with them. And well, they're celebrities. Yeah, that's so yeah, great. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. And it's just so lovely to have them on this ride with us. Oh, yeah. Well, so tell us. So, well, first of all, did you guys film graduation? Yeah, we filmed graduations for, yep. We did. <laughs> I know that's okay. You don't have to tell us. That's okay. But but no, you guys, I'm just you catching just myself on it. You know. <laughs> but graduation. I mean, oh my gosh, what a. I mean that. I always tell people everybody needs to see at least one type of assistance dog graduation in their life to really see that and to see how powerful. And man, whoo, the tears usually fly. Because it, it is such a, a powerful emotional experience. So I can't wait to see what you guys captured a, about the graduation. But so tell us, when is it coming out? Where can we see it? Because I know I'm dying to see it. I saw the trailer and, I mean, tears were starting to fall. So I can't wait to see it on the big screen. So tell us about that. Well, we were very fortunate to be picked up for distribution by a company called IFC Films under their Sundance Selects banner, and they believe in putting documentaries in theaters, and that's something that's very special to us. So we're going into theaters in New York and, and Los Angeles on August 31st, and then we expand out to the Bay Area in Portland, Oregon, September 7th, and then it continues spreading all over the country on uh, September 14th and September 21st. So throughout the month, it goes to all of those, uh, I think about 50 cities. And people can find a full list of them on our website, which is pickofthelittermovie.com or on guidedogs.com. So it's out there and people can find screenings. And in many cases, my filmmaking partner, Dana, and I will be at these screenings doing Q&As, and especially on opening weekend in New York and L.A. and, and then here in the Bay Area where we're based. So, you know, we love talking to people about the film and some of the dogs come out to the screenings, which is nice, too. So people get to meet guide dogs and and I think soak up some of that puppy love. Just from everything we've seen, it's such a great movie to watch with an audience. Like most of the time by now, I would be very sick of this movie (laughs) or something that I did and I wouldn't want to watch it anymore. But I find that uh, I still like to poke my head in for this one because the audience takes the ride the same ride that we felt, the ups and downs and get invested in the characters, everything that we felt when we were making it, I think we, we, were, we were able to convey. And I love watching people react and there's cheers and there's tears and mm. there's just downright a lot of laughter. So it's, it's a special film to, to see with a group. Wow. Well, uh, what a what a treat that not only do you get to see the movie, but then you get to actually have the opportunity to interact with some of these amazing dogs. But I can only imagine what it's like to see that on the big screen as opposed to a little screen. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts about that, about why people should be watching it in the theaters as opposed to waiting to see it at home? It's a shared experience. You know, for me as a filmmaker, some of my greatest memories are in a theater watching something really good with people, you know, and, and sharing that. And right now with the world that we have that seems like there's so much negative stuff out there, I think one reason people are responding so well to, to this film is that it's positive. It's people doing something nice for other people, and they're connected by our four-legged friends. It just is working. And, uh, you know, at every screening, and this is now played, I've been at screenings of it 
virtually all over the country, it works everywhere. (laughs) And and it's not, if you're a Republican or a Democrat or or anything, it just translates uh, and and gets over all of that. And I, I think for that reason, I really hope people go out and see it on the big screen. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, it's so genuine. I mean, that's the one one of the amazing things about dogs. There are so many, but they're just so pure, you know, and they're just so loving and so smart. And it's just, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I'm counting down the days. I can't wait to see it because I want other people too. the education that you're providing to Don is so important where people can really understand because there's a lot of confusion about guide dogs and other types of assistance dogs and what they do. So the education that you're providing, I really thank Thank you and commend you for that because it's going to be life changing for a lot of people. They're going to get it when they haven't gotten it, which is just incredible. As a filmmaker, you've really done your job. Well, wow. Thank you very much. I mean, it is something that we maybe underestimated when we first embarked on this, but have been very heartened to see as people get to see it. it is that feeling like now I understand. I understand when I see the dogs out there in the in the green vest, in our case, green vest working. I understand what that means, that this isn't just a somewhat trained pet dog. This is an advanced animal that has incredible training behind it and is doing a very serious job. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't approach that visually impaired person and say hello. You know, it should. You can ask them about their dog. Most people want to talk about their dogs, but respect the care in this animal and the community of people around Guide Dogs for the Blind that have helped create this amazing dog. So we underestimated that, but now we're really seeing that people respond to it in that way. Heck, even some of the people that work for guide dogs have thanked us because they haven't seen the whole process from beginning to end. Right. Right. I bet. Yeah. It's so surprising to hear like, wow, I've worked there 20 years, but I never knew how this happened or how this worked. And uh, it's just been a very special project to be involved in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely uh, really appreciate what you've done. And like I said, for so many reasons, because I think this film is going to be viewed for a long time to come because it is such a great educational tool for so many people, people in the industry and people outside of the industry. So, And for young people who want to become trainers and want to aspire to that or puppy raisers. So I just think it's it's going to have such a ripple effect of impact. So just can't thank you enough for what you've done. It's so exciting. Oh, thank you very much, Marcy. I appreciate it. And I I hope it does become that kind of a tool because we certainly see the younger generation coming up and raising these dogs. I I just met a young woman over the weekend and she has a a dog with her name Westa and uh, how she got into it. You know, she's only 14, 15 years old, but is so um, driven to be involved We need more young people like that that are willing to do something selfless. Yes, yes. And I think we'll get more after they see your film. They're going to be inspired. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Don, for coming and visiting with us today. And we just are so excited and can't wait to see Pick of the Litter. So thank you for being with us. Thanks very much. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love to hear from you, and we hope that you all will get to go out and see Pick of the Litter. I know Lovey and I will be going, and we also love to hear from you, so please keep those emails coming, and you know you can reach us at Marcy, M-A-R-C. 
CIE at PetLifeRadio.com. And let's stay connected through Facebook and Twitter. We just love hearing from you and seeing your photos of you and your working dogs or puppies that you're raising. So thanks so much for being with us and take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.